Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations. I'm your host, Angela, and thanks so much for tuning in today. Today, I would like to spend a little bit of time just talking about generally, you know, some of the parenting challenges that we all experience from time to time. And I wanted to just offer a few tips for people who are parenting kids who are a little bit complicated. So many um, of our children are experiencing what we're now referring to as sort of neurodivergence or neurodiversity or brain-based conditions that can be somewhat puzzling. I think most of us are familiar with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD or ADD. And we're familiar with autism spectrum disorder, which is becoming more and more understood and certainly more and more diagnosed. But again, most of us are, are less aware of um, the impact of substance exposure during pregnancy, including alcohol exposure. So most of you, if you've been listening to me, you understand that that's a particular passion of mine, and it will remain a passion because um, the effects of prenatal alcohol exposure can, with the proper supports and with good understanding um, and proper messaging, um, and us spending time debunking some of the myths around, you know, the safety of alcohol um, and that kind of thing, it, it can be preventable. So I just can't think of a, a more important investment and more important uh, information to share. I've often said I really don't understand why this messaging is not going viral, but it's not for a variety of different reasons, but I'm going to continue to to focus on this. But what I intended to do today was just talk about typical strategies that are helpful for kids who have ADHD, for example. And none of these strategies will work for every child, um, but some of these strategies will work for every child. So I think that these are helpful considerations, and sometimes I think we forget. But I just can't um, move forward with this conversation without highlighting the fact that I always try to provide some research to take you back to the website that helps validate what it is I'm saying during these kitchen table conversations because I'm not just sharing opinions, I'm sharing research and I'm also sharing um, what I refer to and what we refer to is practice-based evidence. So I continue to learn every day from the people that I support. And so, but while I was, you know, doing my little search this morning to say what kinds of um, resources can I send folks back to, I came across a website that's called Psych Central. And so it will be on my website, so check it out if you'd like. But what I think is really fascinating is that Psych Central is a general um, website offering tips and strategies and talking about articles and quizzes and various conditions. And when I look at the conditions that they feature, of course, um, there's many listed, but fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is not one of them. But yet, if you look at the overlapping characteristics, Many of the conditions that are listed, including trouble with addictions, anxiety, ADHD, bipolar disorder, depression, PTSD, schizophrenia, adjustment disorder, agoraphobia, antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, childhood ADHD, disassociative identity disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, narcolepsy, 
oppositional defiant disorder, panic attacks, postpartum depression, schizoaffective disorder, seasonal affective disorder, addictions, again, sex addictions, it says here, social anxiety, specific phobias, teenage depression, and trauma. But again, nothing listed about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and so many of the characteristics that result in these diagnoses are overlapping to people who have been exposed to alcohol. So I just think it's really, really important to understand, but yet the treatment needs to be different. So I won't spend a lot of time around that right now, but I will encourage you to go back to to my website to learn more about some of the overlapping characteristics, but also just, you know, what the point of this conversation or this part of this conversation is just to highlight once again where fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is more prevalent than many of these conditions individually, but yet it's rarely listed. It, it's it's a specialty of its own, which means that our audience is not broad enough. So, uh, you know, unless you go looking for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, you're not going to find it in the list of psychological conditions that are problematic or even developmental conditions that are puzzling and, and causing some, some difficulties. And so, again, historically, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder does not fit neatly into any category, but we are making some gains. But what I wanted to talk about today was just, again, some general parenting tips that would be helpful for kids who are experiencing attention and concentration difficulties. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've been kind of really focusing on lately is just how often we as parents try corrective behavior and highlighting the things that that our kids are doing wrong or incorrectly, which of course we want to help people learn to make better decisions. But when kids are impulsive and when kids are reactive and when kids are just, you know, behave first and think later and are often making little boo-boos or big boo-boos, sometimes that correction is hard to listen to. So I'm, you know, I hear that in myself when I'm um, supporting individuals and, and I've heard it throughout my own parenting journey, right? So, so these are things that, um, you know, we just want what's best for our kids. So we think that when we see something that's going wrong, we need to, you know, introduce a different way. Um, but I encourage people to sort of reflect on that and to see whether or not it's really helping. Now, the one thing that I really think is important, though, and I, you know, I've been a parenting educator for many, many years. And one of the things that I often say to folks is to never ask a question that you don't really want to know the answer to. And so that means don't ask a question if you already know the answer also. So I feel like a lot of people are trying to set their children up to be honest or forthcoming or to be accountable. So we ask questions like, did you do this? Knowing full well that they did do this. But when you ask a question like that, it just naturally leaves an opening where there might be a way um, to please mom and dad or to avoid getting into trouble or avoid disappointing. And I think most importantly, that's what our kids are trying to avoid, not necessarily the consequence. I think what most kids find uh, most difficult is knowing that they've made a mistake or that their parents are upset with them. So I think that's really important. But we tend to see kids as being dishonest to just try to get their own way or to avoid a consequence or losing a privilege. But I think we have to think beyond that. But again, there's lots of ways that we can discipline. Discipline is about teaching. And there's lots of ways we can teach without necessarily implementing consequences that are really hard on everyone. 
Um, so I think that's important, but I also think it's important too, to remember that you don't want to ask a question that you don't want to know the answer to. So in other words, if you say something like, would you like to go to bed now? Or, or would you like to go up and get ready for bed right now? Um, you know, the quick answer would be no. Would you like to put your pajamas on? No. Would you like to go to the bathroom before we leave? No. Do you need to go to the bathroom before we leave? No. Sometimes what we have to do as parents and caregivers is just gently, um, you know, inform people that it is it is time to use the bathroom now. Would you like to put on, uh, to quote Barbara Coloroso, the parenting guru that got me through m- a lot of my journey, uh, but instead of asking, do you want to put your pajamas on, you can ask something like, would you like to wear your red or your blue pajamas? So giving people choices is really, really important, but recognizing that sometimes we're giving choices that are not theirs to have yet, you know. So deciding what's for dinner is an adult conversation. Deciding how much food is put on the plate is a child's um, decision. So I think those are really important considerations. And uh, and again, just going back to, you know, the one little tip of the week sort of is d- don't ask a question that you don't want to know the answer to. Um, and if you can't deal with the with the answer right now, don't ask it, right? So, um, so some of the tips that they're suggesting here for parenting a child with um, with ADHD is to really focus on strengths and focusing on really understanding what's going on for your kids. So, and focus on praising your kids when they do something really well, because again, the corrections are difficult. They're sometimes absolutely necessary for safety and for social skill development and that kind of thing. But we also need to praise and really highlight when our kids are doing something well. Um, and a lot of time should be spent preparing our kids for transitions because generally kids who are really intent on something um, due to their concentration difficulties, but also their ability to kind of hone in on something like a video game, for example, when they're really into it. Um, they need help with transitions. Those things are not typically as easy for us. But And also managing time is something that's difficult for our kids our littles and our big people who have uh, ADHD. So really putting in timers or giving them some context to understand about what 30 minutes actually feels like. So I used to say, for example, when the magic school bus, like we're leaving in the length of time it would take for a magic school bus show to be over. So when you, you know, to help them to understand some sort of context around that, um, it's often really helpful to target the impulsivity and help um, our children learn how to manage that in a good way so that they're not making mistakes that they're sorry about. So being open and honest around that and where it's difficult for them, but yet there are different strategies that we can use to help slow conversations down, for example, so that we're not impulsively reacting Um slowing situations down so that we can have more positive social interactions as well. And then also understanding that sometimes there's coexisting conditions. And when people struggle with attention and concentration difficulties, um, oftentimes they're very, very bright, but academic achievement um, becomes a little bit compromised. And that can be really hard on their view of self and their you know, position in this, in this big, busy world. So those things are really important. So we do suggest um, to try to find a therapeutic alliance for little people too, so that they know that they have a safe place to talk about their feelings and to learn some different 
And the other thing that I would suggest and what it suggests in this article is to talk to your school and to develop an individual learning plan that's going to, again, focus on and highlight the strengths and and use supportive measures to help compensate and to help accommodate for some of the legitimate areas of difficulty. And we always encourage, you know, in time, it's costly, but in time, a psychological evaluation and evaluating things like speech and language so that we get a really clear understanding of how people receive information and are able to recall and process information, those things can be sometimes more hidden barriers that get in the way of academic achievement and just generally communication and uh, interpersonal relationships. So I've just created another uh, resource that's available online as well, and it's called Not Your Typical Parenting Guide. So it's available for just $5, an um, e-booklet to be shared, and the proceeds from that booklet will go towards programming and supplies for some of our people who don't have benefits, for example. So feel free to check that out on the website as well. It's getting some pretty, um, really some pretty positive reviews that's really warming my heart, actually. So I'm excited about it and uh, happy to share what I've learned over the many years, both as a parent and as a helper in this field. So once again, I hope this conversation goes back to your kitchen tables. With many thanks, Angela.